Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. This is episode number 437 with Mary Jo Rupini, how to t- taking a break from sex can actually improve intimacy. Hi, everybody. I'm Sandy Weiner. Welcome back to Last First Date Radio, where we believe that a woman of value naturally attracts the respect she deserves in life and love. And I believe in the importance of being a woman of value so much that I actually wrote a book about it. Here it is. And it's called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. It's filled with 30 tips and exercises to help you step more fully into your value. And it's available now on Amazon for Kindle or paperback. And this week's tip on becoming a woman of value comes from the book, and it is to love your body. This is such an important, such an important step. And I, I'm sure that Mary Jo will agree on I me. Mean, I see her wet, nodding mm-hmm. her head right now. Yeah. Um, you know, mm-hmm. especially when we're dealing with sex and, and intimacy, we are so self-loathing. And I, you know, I... And guilty as charged too. I mean, times when I remember I was probably 12 or 13 years old and I was skinny and I had like a perfect body. And I would look down when I was sitting and go, oh my God, my thighs are spreading when I sit. I mean, because we're human. <laughs> so I want to encourage you to give some love to your body, especially the parts that you are rejecting. So let's say it's your thighs, like I had a problem with back then, not anymore, but back then. Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, one, one coach I once listened to had this great tip, which is to put some like sparkly glitter on the part of your body or like one of those rub on tattoos that, you know, just kind of heart tattoos or something that is those just um, wash off tattoos and just love your body more because it is such a gift. Our body is a gift. It's a treasure. And we have to stop being so self-loathing. Um, before I bring Mary Jo on, I just want to invite you to my Facebook group. It's a fantastic group of women um, over 40 who are looking to grow and to develop into the human being that they are, that they have the potential to be on their search for their last first date. So it's called Your Last first date and we would love for you to join us. Now for my guest, Mary Jo Rapini. She is a practicing psychotherapist, an author, a speaker, and she is Fox 26 Houston's expert specializing in relationships. Her mission is to encourage healthy and strong relationships, beginning with the relationship you have with yourself. Welcome to the show, Mary Jo. Thank you. It's so wonderful being with you, Sandy. Great to have you. And thank you for having me on your Instagram live. And yes, I loved you so much. I wanted to have you on my show. So here we go with sex, talking about sex and relationship struggles. What type of relationship struggles do you see that show up in the bedroom? Well, I think the biggest um the biggest one is there's a total emotional disconnect. And when you're not connected emotionally, when you're just going through the motion of having physical sex, it gets old, it gets dull, 
it becomes something that you don't look forward to. You don't cherish it. It's, it's more of a release than it is really two people coming together and connecting. The, the thing that intimacy, sex, was really created for is another form of communicating or another way to communicate your deepest um, feelings for your partner. And when you take that out of the context, it just becomes recreational. And I, I think we've all numbed ourselves really with the recreational part. Mm. I think in long-term relationships, I have definitely seen that. I know in my own marriage, it just was so predictable. And it's mm-hmm. um, it's the death of intimacy, really, of, of any kind of erotic um, kind of sexual tension is lost when you just go through the motions. So that's, that's really important. Before we get into um, a little bit deeper dive into this, I'm just curious what you have to say about men and women and their relationship to sex. Cause you, you talked about it being like this emotional intimacy. And, and mm-hmm. I know that in some of my friends' relationships in long-term marriages, their husbands just wanna have sex no matter what the emotional situation is at home. So mm-hmm. yeah, can you share some of, of the differences between how men and women approach sex? Yes, I well, a lot of it has to do with how your partner, your male partner was raised. I think there's a lot of pressure on men to perform. I think men's penis is a big deal. And I think there's a lot of pressure that is, you know, it's put on men that if you don't like sex, if you don't grab her, and if you're not the aggressor, then you're not a real man. And meanwhile, while that's going on, when men try to be emotional, many times their parents stunt that ability. They tell, like, let's say when your husband or your partner was a little boy, they may have, like, if they felt the same emotion their sister did, they were reminded, you're a boy, don't cry, or don't do this. And then we further that with moms who many times, you know, let their boy, their son get away without doing part of the household tasks. In other words, anything that the man was raised in that their family, their parents, their family of origin deemed as being woman's work or women's emotion or the way a woman would be, they were pressured not to be that. So many men, I really see this in my therapy office, really the reason they go to sex is because they don't know what else to do. If they do try to be weak or they, or they do cry or they are sensitive or hurt, they're almost reluctant to tell their partner. And their partner isn't really sure. Like women say, I want a man who can be emotional, but I want him to be strong. I want him. Those things are not exclusive. You can be emotionally vulnerable. You can be um, sensitive and you can still be very emotionally strong. In other words, it's not a female issue. It's not a female emotion to cry. It's a human emotion. It's a human emotion to be vulnerable, to fear being hurt. Men feel that and women do too, but you won't see men feeling comfortable with feeling that. And so sex gives them a way to perform. And they've been conditioned that they keep the woman if they please her physically. But so they they go, they 
they seem to focus on that because that fits the way they were raised. And they're really awkward with the emotional part. So I think that's a lot of times in couples when all the guy wants to do is have sex. And the woman is like, I feel so lonely. I feel like I'm in this relationship by myself. That is the last thing I want. There's a big problem in the relationship. The man feels rejected because his wife isn't open, doesn't desire him. She feels rejected because he can't communicate what he feels. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to, to describe the differences I think, especially in our generation, mm-hmm. men, and, and still today, I mean, we really haven't changed that much, but I think no. that- And um, Sandy, I, w- I was going to tell you that I, you know, I've seen this with my clients who are online, especially when they're late 30s, 40s, they're like, I just want to get married. Because I can tell you, it's as predictable as clockwork. When I go online and date, they basically, if they want to take me out, they're going to want sex. So in other words, it's become almost a, re- a, a recreation, as I said. It's, it's become something you do. But after you do it, if there's no emotional depth, if there's no friendship, if, and once again, women are called upon to keep that, like, that guard. Well, we have to, like, I'm the one that has to delay sex. I'm the one that has to you know, face the possible consequences. Guys do too, but guys face them as a different way because women are the ones who get pregnant. Both partners can get a STI, but at the same time, women, it seems like it's uneven with the physical sexual part because even though women want to equalize that, that's probably not the best thing. That's not in the best interests of women nor is it in the best interest of men. It's much better if we can accept that responsibility together. I agree with you. I, I'm glad you added that at the end because I think yeah, that, yeah it's um, what I've heard from men is mm-hmm. I just wanna know that you wanna have sex. Like that, that's kind yeah. of the thing they wanna know. And so women often will just put the kibosh on it and just say, right. I want you to see me, see all of me. I, want, I don't wanna just have a sexual relationship. I'm interested in something bigger. And often men are too, but they, they lead with sex as a way to intimacy. And women often lead with emotion as a way to intimacy to sex. And so what I tell my clients is to let a man know if you are attracted, you've got to put that in the conversation. If you're going to delay sex, it can't be like, well, maybe I'll decide one day. I don't know yet if I want sex. It's yeah, I'm attracted to you. And this is, this is my boundary around sex. And these are, this is what I need. And, you know, I'm not rushing it. I want to take my time but it's not, you're not going to have to wait forever either. You know, you have to figure out what works for you and be able to convey it in a way that's positive because I think a lot of men see it as, you know, she's, she's never going to be able to have sex with me. And so they're Mm going to move on. Their ego gets hurt. Right. Yeah. Yes. And a skill, like, I think, I think men see, see what they can do because They go to such extreme measures to have sex when, uh, you know, I work with mostly men and because I work with a lot of urologists. And so when a man 
gets has a sexual dysfunction, he'll go to whatever length he has to, to be able to perform. And that tells us, that should tell us how important it is. Women, many times, they'll kind of push it off the table. They'll wait. They're in denial. They're not sure they really want this. And I think many times it's because she's she wants sex, but she wants it with someone that she knows is connected to her, someone that will give her security and validation. And if he's not able to do that, if he if he more wants her for the physical part, I think for many women, they get nervous about it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. So let's go back to a couple who is having mm -hmm. sex, but having struggles in the bedroom. Um, what are some of the reasons that a couple becomes disinterested in sex? Well, I think, you know, one thing is when, you know, it depends on what passage they are in life. Women are oftentimes disinterested after a baby, um, and it takes a while for them to restore that. They go through a brain fog part where they just can't, they're confused, they are tired. Both people are usually tired. And um, then during perimenopause, which is late 30s, early 40s, that's another time when many times women won't want sex. Some women have a very erratic sex life at that time. They want a lot of sex or they, they don't want any. And that you'll see those fluctuations. That's mostly hormonal, but to their partner, if they're dating or if they're in a relationship, it can come across as them being resistant to have sex. I think when you're raising teenagers, it's a time when a lot of women reject sex. And I think it's because they're stressed I think they're worried, and um, and I think women need a complete escape from being a mother to really enjoy their sexuality. Interesting. I think, I think if women are caretakers or the, or one of the in-laws is in the home, they assume it's their their job. They and they just they can't escape. Yeah, I mean, I remember so much depletion during my marriage when my kids were growing up at different stages and mm. especially if you don't have a supportive partner and you feel like you're shouldering so much on your own mm -hmm. sex feels like another chore it feels like one more thing and i have nothing left to give that's which is one of the reasons why the emotional connection is so essential in a relationship yes and i you know i've seen that especially with teens because in order for a teen to leave home, they need to, they need to pick a fight. It helps them if they're angry or if they can see their parents as hypocritical or less than their parents. You know, it's very hard to make that separation when you're just totally in love with your parents. And a woman during that time is evaluating, you know, her own, like her own looks. She's oftentimes in the 40 to 50 year old range and she's seeing her aging body. She doesn't like it, her, her beauty fading or she feels like her beauty is fading. And then if you have a rebellious teenager, it can really make you feel terrible about yourself. And if you don't have a supportive partner reminding you you're beautiful, I'm part of this, keeping, helping keep that child in line, it's really difficult. I can relate to all those things. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's a typical time when I see couples in. And of course, going through perimenopause and menopause, I think is another time. And I think, I think we could do better with that sexually if we would allow ourselves to talk about it. But for some reason, going through menopause is thought of as a shameful passage. And that's really unfortunate because our lovers could be so much more helpful and we could have so much more intimacy if we could rely on each other to communicate what it feels like. And if couples were better at saying, how can I please you sexually? How can I, how can I still connect with you intimately? Yeah, that's uh, the communication piece and the shame piece, both so important. When we can really be okay with anything that happens, including, you know, having a teenager who tells you that she hates you yeah. and that you're a horrible person. I mean, I went through a lot of that and through my own work, I learned not to take it personally. I learned to understand her better and to, and to have boundaries really. And mm -hmm. it, it was game changing. And I yeah. think in, in an intimate relationship, when you can just make peace with the changes that we all go through, men and women, and be able to just talk about it. Like it's, it's so, it's so important to eradicate shame. I, I just think we still carry so much. Uh, we just finished reading a book in our book club called We Were the Mulvaney's by Joyce Carol Oates. And the whole thing is based on shame. Have you read that book? Wow. I haven't, but I've heard about that book and I've wanted to watch it. Yeah, so it's well, it's also a movie, I think. And um, the whole thing started with a teenager who was raped. And the way the family dealt with it was just by sending her away. And it affected every member of the family in a terrible way. I mean, to, to have that kind of shame, you watched how everybody fell apart. Mm -hmm. And just, and we were saying like, this took place in the 70s. And I said, it's the same today. We still have shame around mental illness, around menopause, around changes in our bodies, around differences in who we are. Yeah, I, I'm, I have a lot of passion around eradicating shame and really just being vulnerable and, and being okay with who we are. I love that. Well, you know, there's an idea that I think that I think our generation was raised with, and it may continue, I, I hope not though. And that is, if you want someone to quit acting the way they, they are, you shame them. And what we didn't, what our parents and grandparents didn't understand is when you shame someone, you hurt them. And when someone is hurt, eventually they, when they're coming out of it, they will get very depressed or they will get angry. And both of those are terrible motivating behaviors. Yeah. If anything, they'll seek revenge. And so in a relationship when there's shaming or there's resentment, that is a real libido killer. And I'll see a lot of couples come in. One of the partners is being treated for sexual dysfunction, but it's not a sexual dysfunction at all. It's more an idea that what happened is they're so resentful. They're so angry emotionally. And sometimes it's not even at their partner. Sometimes it's something they never healed from the past in themselves. And it just got projected onto the partner. Yeah, it goes so deep. Mm -hmm. I mean, every, every client who 
comes into my practice, we talk about the past because mm -hmm. the past informs the present unless you do the work and yeah. you carry and you don't even know. It's like this unconscious narrative that's running your whole life. And mm -hmm. especially when it comes to intimacy and sex and relationships, you know, all these things get magnified so much. Mm -hmm. Boy, that's really true. Yeah. So let's talk about taking a break from sex. Um, yes. And, um, and, I, and, I, and it's so important. And even, you know, like when I mention this to couples, it's usually the guy who says, well, how long? <laughs> right. <laughs> I know how long is this break? And this is the fun part. It, it doesn't matter how long you make it. Like I have couples who I actually am recommending that you guys need to take a month off because there's just so much anger and hurt and resentment that I'm afraid if we don't fill this relationship with the other possible intimacies, that it will, this, this problem with sexuality will destroy it. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. And I, I was brought up as an Orthodox Jew. And mm -hmm. one of the things that was built in was a two week period where you can't touch each other after, uh, so it's from your period to a week after your period until you immerse in, in a ritual bath. And oh. people really struggle with it and say, you know, it's just so archaic and it doesn't make sense. But I, I think it leads to a lot of healthier relationships because during those two weeks, you really have to get to know each other without sex and you're not, I mean, people who are really strict don't touch each other at all. They don't even pass each other things. Like it's, it's all, you know, we, we're going to connect emotionally. And so, um, so let's, let's talk about how we know if the relationship does need a sex break and if so, how do we talk about it? Well, I think you'll know if the conversation of sex feels like it's taking up 90% of the of the partnership or not even the conversation because that would mean you were discussing it if if the idea of not having sex and the anger and the frustration take up over 90 percent of your mental um, time together then i would say you guys need a sex break and also if the couple's gotten into an impasse you know, typically couples can be happy sexually. You know, it's not the frequency of which they have sex. It's that they feel loved by each other and they feel like they have enough. The predictor of a great sex life are the two people in it. If you have a dissatisfied partner and they say, I just can't live like this. I'm, I'm always begging for sex and, the, and my partner's always saying no or they don't, they do it, but they're not into it. Um, I just don't want to be married anymore. If they, if any of those things are said, then usually I recommend a sex break. Sounds like a good time to have a sex break. So how, how can yeah. people start that conversation? Well, I think if you're in therapy, usually the therapist will say it, but if it's just the two of you, I think a really gentle and kind way to do it is say, listen, this, this is taking up, you know, this is, this conversation is tainting every area of our relationship. So let, why don't we just consider working on other areas and kind of putting sex on the shelf for a while? You know, we're, 
our goal is to have a great sex life, but you know, in order to have that, we need to restore each other's emotional needs. If a couple can talk and get to that point, then you're in an ideal position to actually carry this out and, and find the improved intimacy that this, that this typically, um, this effect, is a, it is an effect of taking a sex break. Mm, that's a really lovely way to state it. I'm wondering, so what happens though, if you bring that up and your partner goes, no way? Um, if they said no way, then I would think that your partner was already so angry that they got into this, you know, sometimes when we get angry, we are so afraid of facing a possibility of losing that what we do is we draw a line in the sand and we say, no, this is not okay. I'm not doing this. I'm not jumping through another hoop for you. I hear that a lot of times. That's when one of the partners is so angry, so bitter. They probably feel ignored. They probably feel unheard. They probably feel like they've been led on. If they won't do this, um, then I would not demand it. I would say, well, how about if we if we talk to a professional? Mm -hmm. You know, I this would be my idea, but let's talk to a professional and see what you know. It, it would mainly mean moving toward your partner, seeing how they felt, and rather than reacting the opposite, because then you're going to get further apart. Moving toward them and saying, "I can see that you're really adamant about this. That you feel sounds like you feel hurt, frustrated." Why don't we talk to a profession? Mm -hmm. Yeah, talking. I mean, as long as a couple, Sandy, I'm sorry, can as long as the couple can align that they both want a good sex life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, having the same goal is certainly important. Yeah, <laughs> a I, very nice way to say. Right. <laughs> I think also, you know, whenever we make a request of anyone, it's important to know that you may get a no and to work with a no because a no doesn't mean stop it's not necessarily the end of the road it can also mean getting curious about the no and what would what would make you say yes what you know what what are the fears that are getting in the way of saying yes and there there might be ways to kind of get to a a conversation about the fears and the frustration and have them, and not everybody can really voice it, but you know, what do you think about doing something like that? Well, I've got like, um, with this idea, I've got five ideas that, or five tips, if you will, for the listeners and the viewers of this to kind of focus on during this sex break. Cause remember, if you take a sex break, even if it's for a week, I don't know how often people are having sex, but most of my clients are having sex for a week. So if I were going to prescribe this, I would say, I want you to take two weeks off, okay? And during that time, um, I want you to use the time that you normally would have sex to get back to the basics. Getting back to the basis with basics would be things like holding hands again, kissing. So many couples that are together a long time stop kissing maybe snuggling each other's neck, massaging each other, finding each other's 117 erogenous zones, because most of us only know like four, 
maybe six if we're lucky, but you actually have 117 areas that feel great and, and will help women and men feel more sexual if they're touched. And so just kind of getting to know your partner's body again is part of getting back to the basics. I love that. And yeah. do you want me to go through all five? Yeah, okay. so, so just to repeat the first, the first two. Um, would, well, the first one would be getting back to basics, okay, including back to basics. a massage and getting to know each other's body. Okay. That's all included. The second one would be strive to see your partner's intentions more clearly. And this goes back to what you were talking about earlier. Get curious. When your partner says something, ask them. Stop yourself from assuming and ask yourself, can you clarify that? I'm having difficulty understanding what did you mean by that? When we get more curious, we open up the conversation and conversations no, no longer yes or no. It has all these different things like, how did that make you feel? What did you mean? And when people, when people ask you that, when your partner asks you that, it feels so good. It's like, oh my God, they're listening. They, they care about me. They want to know what I think, how I feel. Mm. It's very exciting. Um, the third would be investing more time in your friendship. We know the best sex you're ever going to have is depends on the closeness of this person. The more close you are, the more you can let go, be free. People talk about being able to date like a different person every night. Your performance might be great with that, but you won't feel loved. You won't feel as loved as you will if you get close to this person of friendship. What is this person like? You're not the same person, people you marry. I mean, basically after two years, you've changed a lot and getting back in touch with who your friend is now is really important. And fourthly, uncovering deeper issues, talking about those resentments, that anger, that frustration, maybe that disrespect that you kept sweeping under the rug and covering up with sex. You can't continue that and expect your relationship to have a healthy sex life. It just doesn't work that way. And it'll be much more intimate and real and honest if you're able to start taking those things apart and being vulnerable enough to bring them out and talk about them. And then lastly, appreciate your partner and your relationship more. Having sex is great, but during sex, what do you appreciate? Just jotting down a few things after sex, maybe the way your partner looked or the way your partner received you or the way your partner took full effort and time to please you. Those things are really important feedback to give your partner. And when you don't have sex for a while, you start seeing your partner and what they do for you every day. These small acts of love as all part of this tapestry that is called lovemaking. It adds to it. Beautiful. These are great tips. And I, I, I love that you give people what to do during that time because, yeah. you know, this comes up a lot in my practice in terms of taking a break from dating. 
And it's not just taking a break. You know, when people say, I need to take a break, you've got to be doing something during that time. Otherwise, it's just time and it doesn't really help you grow and achieve what you want to achieve. And so I love these specific behaviors and tips. And so much about appreciation and emotional connection, it fills you up. You know, that what we were talking about before, this coming from a place of depletion, when you're angry and frustrated and you feel disconnected, you have nothing left to give. So you're filling back the emotional bank so that you have a lot more to give from. I love that. And that's so true, Sandy. I, I just, I think couples oftentimes break up for reasons maybe they didn't need to break up from, or they don't get the attention they need for the problem. They keep trying to sweep it away until they begin fighting in a way that's so cruel and mean that by then their partner dislikes them so much or is so bitter that they have no, no other course. They have to break up. I really like to think that we can intervene in that and, and make a difference. And therapy is a wonderful option, but sometimes if you just have self-awareness and you're, you can say to yourself, and if you're strong enough by that point to just say, you know what, I deserve better and my partner does too. So I'm, we're, gonna, we're gonna focus together on what we can do to salvage this. If you started out as friends, then good friends take care of each other. And they always try to seek an inner peace between themselves and each other to protect the friendship. And I think marriage is like that. I love that. We have to nurture our relationships. They don't just, it's not just about getting married or getting into a relationship. It's what do you do once you're there is what really counts. And yeah. Thank you so much for sharing so much wisdom about taking a sex break, when to take it, how to take it, and how to build more emotional connection. Thank um, you, Sandy. Yeah. I, I just, you're so lovely. You just, oh, thank you. It's really <laughs> love fest here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Mary Jo, share, if you will, your, uh, your website and how people can get in touch with you because you are all over social media. Um, we met through Instagram and I know you have a big YouTube channel. So yeah, give us, give us some ways to connect. Well, thank you for this opportunity. I, um, my website is my name, Mary Jo, J-O, Rapini, R-A-P-I-N-I.com. Um, and on there, if you go on there, you'll see that I have a YouTube reaction reset. I would love for you to subscribe. And um there's homework hacks on there and homework hacks you download for $1.99. And then my idea was I wanted to give away therapy as much as I could. And YouTube is free, but the homework hacks, the homework hacks are $1.99 each. So if you downloaded it and completed it with your partner, it's not in lieu of therapy. You still should see a therapist. Um, However, what you could do is you could take the homework with you because it will give you a very clear idea and the therapist of where the issue is coming from, where it's stemming from. So it actually shortens maybe the time you would need therapy. It'll help you feel like you can advocate for yourself and be part of the therapy. So I think it actually enhances your 
your emotional investment in the therapy. One of the biggest problems with going to see therapy, a therapist, is you give them the problem and you expect them to fix it, but that's not how it works. Therapy helps guide you. They see, they hear you, they watch you, and then they help guide the best they can from where you are now. Much better if you're aware of where you are, where you want to go, and then ask the therapist if they can help you get there. Sometimes the therapist will say, well, you're going to have to change a lot of things. And if you take those one at a time and you know the things you're working on, you can get there. Mm. I love the clarity and the focus that you help people bring to their relationship and to therapy. That's wonderful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So thank you again for for sharing your wisdom with us today, Mary Jo. And um, thank you everyone for listening. And if you love our show, please rate and review us on Apple Music, uh, Apple Podcast, not Apple Music. Um, every, Every rating and review and sharing helps our podcast grow even larger. And we hope you go on your last first date very soon. 